truly our God is an awesome God. Had an experience here a number of months ago where a gentleman was traveling through Missouri and he heard our services and then heard my name and he said, I went to college with that guy. It's just so nice to hear our outreach and our upreach. And, and again, I want to thank all those who attend our Sunday school class and for Martha for her faithfulness. And she's in the area. Do pray. I believe she's in the process of selling her house and moving back to Africa. Let's pray that Africa moves to Martha rather than Martha moving to Africa here. We're going to greatly miss her. Just waiting for our countdown here. We want to welcome all those by way of television this morning to all of it, United Methodist Church. My name's Dr. Randy Tabor, pastor here, and we may be small in numbers, but we're, we're high in quality, so may God bless our worship service today as we turn to our opening hymn, What a Fellowship, What a Joy Divine. Red hymnals number 417, please. who listened to us and talked with uh, Ray and Betty this past week and they said to send their love and greetings they don't get out at all anymore our next hymn is All to Jesus I Surrender read hymnals number 373 
prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, and I just want to thank all those by way of television and radio and YouTube and other means that follow us, that our scripture is going to be taken from Luke chapter 13, um, verses 10 through 17, which is a lectionary. Um, 90% of um, mainline denominational church will be using the scripture, and if you happen to be viewing by way of television any other televised or radio and you happen to hear the scripture again, it's because 90% of mainline congregations do use the lectionary, and the lectionary text for this morning is taken from Luke's 13th chapter, the 10th verse and following. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, this morning we want to thank you for our Sunday school class, and I'm reminded as Ira was teaching on prayer, was reminded of various theologians and biblical scholars that were asked, how, sh how should we pray? And I remember one, say one saying that the proper way for a person is to pray is developing a proper attitude, which is only on your knees. And then, then I remember another theologian correcting that theologian and biblical scholar by saying, no, no, I should say that the way to pray is standing straight, with outstretched arms and rapturous upturned eyes. Then I'm reminded of another theologian and biblical scholar saying, it seems to me that one's hand should be devoutly clasped in front with both thumbs pointing towards the ground. And I remember another individual saying, with both hands, my, my heels sticking up, my head pointing down, and another saying, and I made prayer right then and there. My best prayer I ever said was the prayingest prayer I ever prayed was standing on my head. Father, regardless of our posture, of our physical being, we just thank you for the spiritual being, that as children we are God's precious gift. And as we think of our parents and our relatives and our loved ones and our friends and our own biological children and grandchildren, we, we pray for those who are listed in our bulletins today. We, we pray, Father, for Ray and Betty Wozik, Roseanne Smith and Audra Bernard, Ryan Borden. We pray, O oh Lord, for our District Superintendent Dan Johnson and Reverend George Groves, for the Reiners family, Reverend Ken Reiners, his, his wife Helen passed away. And as we begin our coffee hour on September 11th, and there's somewhat of a controversial game that day between the Packers and the Vikings, we lean towards the Vikings, Lord. And as a small group Bible study by Duel on Wednesday, the 21st, let's gear up for an exciting 2022 and 23. And as we look forward to our, our vote for disaffiliation, we just pray, Father, that you would remind us that, that we are loved. And we are in love one with another and as we raise our children and our grandchildren and those under our spiritual care and when they are grown we give them back to them and when they are born they're like a clean slate they're ready for you to write instructions that will guide the direction they should take and this is a very important task we must get on our knees and seek God's guidance we must ask we must hug we must kiss them every day we must instruct them in God's work in ways and teach them to pray never give up when the going gets tough, remember that they are precious, precious lives that were called to shape. For God's nothing is too tough. We pray, Father, that you would guide and bless the scripture today, scripture that reminds us of the presence of God in our lives as we seek out God's services. God will service us as we serve God. Bless the reading of 
God's word according to Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 11, 10 through 17. And we pray that you would inspire us and lead us, Lord, as we pray the prayer that you've taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Then if you turn with me to Luke chapter 13, verses 10 and following. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the application of his word. Where Jesus heals a crippled woman. And many of us are crippled in various ways in mind and body and soul and spirit. And God blesses through his grace the diligence as we seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. Now he was teaching. Now this is Jesus. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And kind of picture this. And just then, there appeared a woman, a woman with a spirit that had been crippled for how many years? Eighteen. Eighteen years. She was bent over, imagine this, bent over, and was quite unable, say it with me, unable to stand up straight. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and he says, woman, it's interesting in those days that Jesus knew who was a woman, who was a, a man, and we've kind of lost definition of who was a woman and who's a man, but Jesus knew. Woman, you are set free from your ailment. And when Jesus laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and she began praising God. But the leader, now listen, now, but the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on, those days, and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him, and he said, You hypocrite, you leader, you hypocrite, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his axe or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan, whom Satan is harassed and bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day. And when Jesus had said this, all his opponents, all his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wondrous things that Jesus was doing. And God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Initially, in our scripture today, we should realize that despite opposition being against him, Jesus was still publicly teaching in the synagogues. A woman with a spirit of infirmity had heard Jesus was teaching. She knew he was not only a teacher, but a great healer. Notice that it says here, spirit of infirmity. We should know that this woman's physical problem arose from a spiritual condition, not necessarily a physical one. In verse 16, we read that the woman was bound by Satan and couldn't straighten up because of it for 18 years. We can also safely assume that would be about half her life. Back then, life expectancy of a woman was late 30s, early 40s. It's also safe to assume that even despite Luke being a doctor, there was no medically, medically known cure for this particular hunched over ailment. We should know that despite his repetition as a, he, as, a, as a healer, she was there to worship God and not necessarily 
asked for healing. But as she was walking in, Jesus noticed her and simply said, Woman, you are freed from your infirmity. While saying this, he laid his hands on her. And she was bent over. She miraculously straightened up. After this happened, she began to praise God. What a perfect response to something good happening. Praise God. Anything good that happens to us comes from love. The ruler of the synagogue saw this, and he became angry because it was a Sabbath, and Jewish people were not supposed to do any kind of work on the Sabbath day. Now this ruler didn't have the courage to face Jesus and address him directly. So what he did was direct the crowd, address the crowd, and said, there are six days on which work ought to be done. done. Come on these days to be healed, not the Sabbath. As if the Lord had done something wrong, he said this. He did not address Jesus directly with this derisive comment, but he sat to roll up the crowd against him, or the congregation against Jesus. Jesus heard and saw this and became righteously indignant at this comment and said, you hypocrites, do not each of you on the Sabbath untie their ox and donkey from the manger and lead it, to, lead it away to water it? And not, not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, Abraham. This is the only place in the Bible this particular phrase is used, daughter of Abraham, whom the state bound for 18 years be loosed from the bond on the Sabbath day? Upon hearing this, his opponents were filled with shame. And the people that witnessed his miracle rejoiced and praised God with the woman, despite the reaction of the synagogue leaders. Notice that he made the word hypocrites with an S plural. He wasn't only addressing the synagogue leader, but all those that agreed with him. Jesus knew that the Sabbath was a day to honor and worship God. And this is exactly, this is exactly the reaction from the woman and the crown that he was seeking. They praised God and thanked him for Jesus' ability to heal her and for her ability to straighten up after 18 years. What a, what a great reason to praise God. This reaction was achieved in the woman the one that Jesus wanted, and the crowd, or congregation. But who didn't celebrate the healing? It's the synagogue leaders. They chose religion over relationship. Not so uncommon today. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It was during a recent ministerial meeting we were talking about church closures, and I shared that we never closed and it went into uh, you know oftentimes if people talk I can hear probably better than your person next to you because it just shoots right up here and unless it's you know a mistake that I make you know probably we shouldn't be talking during worship here or during the sermon was reminded of the fact and I shared with a group of ministers that I started school at the age of four and I never missed a, a, a day of school. I, in Eagle Bend, I don't know if as you were growing up if there were certificates that were handed out in your school uh, for perfect attendance. I had perfect attendance and I'm sure that there's probably days I went to school and it just wasn't really feeling good. But perfect attendance, very few have perfect attendance during those 12 or 13 years of school. I, I never missed a practice in all of the sports that I attended, never missed any of my college classes, and never missed seminary or graduate school. And it probably were times when, you know, I had to have somebody almost drag you there, but I, I came, you know, because I thought that I'd made a commitment, and I think it was kind of based on the principles and God's word that we see today. And we see in these verses here a striking example of diligence. Diligence. 
Now, I've always held a very high criteria of diligence for myself and my family and my kids to the, to the use of the means of grace. God provides us this means of grace. If we diligently seek those means of grace, God will honor. We are told of a woman which had a spirit, spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bowed together. Can you imagine? She probably was easier for her to touch her toes than to touch her waist. And could in no way, no wise, lift up herself. Can you picture this person that the scripture is picturing to us today? We know not who this woman was. Our Lord saying that she was a daughter of Abraham. A daughter of Abraham would lead us to infer that she was a true believer, a true practicer of, of her belief system. But her name and her history are hidden from us. In this we only know that when Jesus was teaching, picture Jesus teaching this young 30-year-old that's much less than half my age. This young Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and this woman, this woman was there. Now, if you're following along in your outlines and your bulletins, kind of sermon joggers and kind of jog your mind, sickness was no excuse. Sickness was no excuse with her for tearing or being away from God's house. That in spite of all the suffering and the infirmity of those 18 years, this person found her way to the place where the, the day and the, the word of God were honored and where the people of God met together. And truly, she was released, she was blessed in her deed. Now, I've had many a per person in the numerous pastorates that I've served that were, were deaf. They couldn't really hear a word that I said, but sometimes they said they could read my lips. Some of you by, by television appreciate the, the closeness of the camera to my lips because you can kind of read my lips. And those individuals that were deaf, not see my mother a number of years is unable to see and she was just a real reader there were books all around her bed and all around her rooms in her home but in spite of suffering and infirmity this woman found her way to the place where the day and the word of God were honored and where the people of God met together she took very seriously that scripture that says forsake ye not the assembling of one another together. And truly she was blessed in her deed. She found a rich reward, a rich reward for all her pains. She, she came sorrowing, came sorrowing, and went home rejoicing. Now the conduct of this suffering Jewess, Jewish, Jewish, may well put to shame many a very strong and a healthy professing Christian today. How many in the full enjoyment of bodily vigor allow the most frivolous excuses to keep them away from, from the house of God? Now many of you, by way of television and radio, YouTube, have spoken to me or written to me and you're on your bedside, you can't, haven't been out of your homes for, for years. But how many are constantly spending the whole Sunday in idleness, the most frivolous excuses to keep them away from the house of God. How many are constantly spending the whole Sunday in idleness and in pleasure-seeking business and, and scoffing and e even sneering at those who keep the Sabbath holy? I remember in my early years of going to college, I worked road construction. And many of the guys would get so far away from home that they'd, they'd stay the weekends. And 
I'd say, uh, I gotta go home, gotta see family, gotta go to church, and go to church. Many scoffers, how many are constantly spending the whole Sunday in idleness or pleasure seeking or business and scoffing and sneering at those who keep the Sabbath holy? How many think it a greater matter if they attend the, the worship of God once on Sunday and, and regard a second attendance as, as needless, excessive of zeal asked or akin to fanaticism? Here in a few weeks, we'll be meeting with our district superintendent and be asking you a, a few questions about church closure. We have to at least have two-thirds of our membership decide on closure. And then you'll be asked the second question, do you want Randy Tabor to um, continue in the pulpit? Or do you want a progressive or do you want some other person of similar theology? We find that in many religious services, there's a wariness while they attend them and, and they feel relieved when they are over. We used to have a gentleman in our congregation that would actually time me and he'd say, so many minutes and so many seconds. How many know anything of David's spirit when David said, when he said, I, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Do you have that same spirit? Can you say as David did let us go into the house of the Lord? How amiable are the tabernacles, the places of worship, O oh Lord, my God, the psalmist says. Now, what is the explanation? What is the explanation of all this? What is the reason why so few, so few are like the, the women of whom we we meet today and we read about this day? The answer to these questions is short and it's very simple. The most, they most have no heart for God's services. Have no heart for God's services. Do you fall into that category? Are you edging towards that category of no heart for God's services? They, they have no delight in God's presence of God's day. They fall maybe into that category of Paul when he talked about the carnal mind is enmity against God. The carnal mind is enmity, enmity against God. The moment a person's heart, the moment a person's heart is, is truly converted, those pretended difficulties about attending public worship vanish. They evaporate away. The new heart finds no trouble in keeping the Sabbath holy. Where there is a will, there is always, finish the sentence, a way. Let us never forget that our, our feelings about Sundays are sure tests of the state, the state of our souls, the state of our souls. And how is your soul today? The, the person who can find no pleasure in giving God one day in the week is questionably, maybe un manifestly unfit for heaven. Heaven itself is nothing but an eternal Sabbath, the definition of heaven. If we cannot enjoy a few hours in God's service, God's service once a week in this world, it is plain that we will have difficulty throughout eternity worshiping God and pleasing God in his service, God's service in the world to come. But happy are those who walk in the steps of her, of her of whom we read today. They shall find Christ and a blessing while they live in Christ and find Christ in glory when they die. And we see secondly, we see secondly in these verses the, the almighty power the almighty power of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are told that when Jesus saw this suffering woman of whom we are reading, Jesus called her to him and, and he said to her, Woman, and again, why is it that some of our so-called Supreme Court judges have a hard time understanding what a woman is? It just doesn't make sense to me. Jesus knew what a woman was. You 
know what a woman is. Women, he says, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And Jesus laid his hands on this woman that touched, that touch of Jesus was accompanied by the miraculous healing virtue. Have you felt the miraculous healing virtue of Christ? And at once, a disease of 18 years attending gave way before the Lord of life. Immediately, immediately she was made straight and immediately she began to glorify God. We need not doubt that this mighty miracle was intended to supply hope and comfort to a sin-diseased soul. With Christ, nothing is, say it with me, impossible. Say it with a little more enthusiasm. With Christ, nothing is impossible. Jesus can soften hearts which seem hard as, as concrete and a millstone. Jesus can bend stubborn wills with which 18 years have been set on self-pleasing on sin and on the world. Jesus was and can enable sinners who have long been poring over earthly, earthly things to look heavenward, upward to heaven and see the kingdom of God. And nothing is too hard for the Lord. Jesus can create. Jesus can transform. Jesus can renew. Jesus can break down and build and quicken with irresistible power. Jesus wants to work. He lives, who formed the world out of nothing, and he never changes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And let us hold fast this, this blessed truth and never let it go. Let us never despair about our own salvation. Our sins can be countless. Our, our lives may have been long spent in worldliness and folly. Our youth may have been wasted in soul, soul, S-O-U-L, soul-defying excesses of which we are sore, sorely ashamed. But, but are we willing to come to Christ and are we willing to commit our souls? If so, there is hope. Jesus can heal us thoroughly and say, Thou art loosed. Thou art loosed from thine infirmities. Let us never despair about the salvation of others so long as they are alive. Never give up, never give up. Let us name them before the Lord and night and day and let us cry out to the Lord on their behalf. We may perhaps have relatives or children or grandchildren whose, whose case seems desperate because of their wickedness, but it is not really so. There are no incurable cases with Christ. No incurable cases with Christ. If Jesus were to lay his hand of healing on them, they would be made straight and they would glorify God. Glorify God. And let us pray. Pray on, let us faint not. That saying of Job is worthy of all acceptance. Job said, I know, I know that Thou canst do everything. And Jesus is able to save to the uttermost. The uttermost. And we see lastly in these verses the, the right deliverance, the, the, the right observance of the Sabbath day asserted and, and defended by our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a rightness and there's a fullness and there's a truthness to this. That the ruler... The ruler of the synagogue in which the infirm woman was healed found fault. They, the leaders, the leaders actually found fault with her as a breaker of the Sabbath. Imagine that, a breaker of the Sabbath? And Jesus, Jesus drew down upon them a stern but, but a just rebuke. And Jesus said, thou hypocrites, Thou hypocrites, 
Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead them away to watering? Don't you? You know, I grew up on a farm and we always had to get up morning and night and melt the cows and feed the cows and the pigs and the chickens. If it was allowable to attend the wants of beasts on the Sabbath, how much more to human creatures? If it were no breach of the fourth commandment to show kindness to oxen and asses, much less to show kindness to a daughter of Abraham. Jesus gave him a sermon, a powerful message. In the principle, the very principle here laid down by our Lord is the same that we find elsewhere in the Gospels. Jesus teaches us that the command to do no work on the Sabbath was not intended to prohibit works of necessity and mercy, two categories of exemption, necessity and mercy. The Sabbath was made for our benefit and not for our hurt. It was appointed to promote a person's best and highest interest and not to debar them, to debar them of anything that is really good, really good for them. And it requires nothing but what is reasonable and what is wise. It forbids nothing that is really necessary to man, a human, human's comfort. And let us pray now as we close. Pray for the gathering. Pray for Jehop. Pray for all of it, United Methodist Church. Pray for a hedge of protection. No controversy between any church. Let us pray for a right understanding of the law of the Sabbath. Of all the commandments that God has given, none is more essential to the happiness of humanity. None is more essential to the, the happiness and the unity, and none is so frequently misrepresented and abused and trampled under feet. Let us lay down for ourselves these two, these two special rules for the observance of the Sabbath. For one thing, for one thing we do no work, which is not absolutely needful. And for another, let us keep the day holy. Let us keep the day holy and give it to God. And from these two rules, let us never swerve. Experience shows that there is the closest connection between Sabbath sanctification, Sabbath holiness, sanctification, and, and a healthy, a truly healthy and wholesome and holy Christianity. Father God, this morning as we pray for the gathering, as we pray for ourselves and Jehob, we thank you for the tremendous opportunity to have a, a church that is a, is a worship center. It's a center of Christ. We pray that you provide a hedge of protection against the evil forces that would try to dislodge or disorganize or confuse. For you're not the God of confusion. Satan is. Satan is a prince of this world. Satan is a prince that comes against the peace of Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television and radio, as you dedicate and rededicate your life to Christ, would you pre please pray with me? Dear God, I seek you first in all things. Forgive my sins. Come into my heart and life. Help me to seek first your services. In Jesus' name, amen. As we prepare for this morning's offering, our offertory prayer, as the ushers prepare to come and our offertory hymn, would you join me in the prayer that's printed in our bulletins this morning? Mighty God, bringing our tithes and offerings to you today, we pray over them and sing your praises. Then we sink back into our day-to-day -day lives, 
hoping those gifts meet the expectations of our discipleship. You've called us to more, to speak for you, to make our testimony part of our offering, which terrifies us. Then scripture reminds us that you will provide with us these words. Give us the faith and the courage to speak your love, mercy, and compassion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us now turn to our offertory hymn, O Master, Let Me Walk With Thee. Read hymn notes number 504, to the honor glory of God and the birthday of Brian Borden. Please stand for the doxology. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who brought forth the world as your vineyard, provided every needed resource and asked only that we bear good fruit. And as we give our offerings, remind us again of the fruit you desire, justice and righteousness, are the ones your prophet Isaiah suggests. Forgive us for the times when our offerings have fallen short and when the only fruit you've received is our own self-centeredness. Help us bear the fruit that brings you joy in the name of your Son, our teacher and our preacher and our Savior, we pray. Amen. We've had a couple of votes and they've been unanimous, but we want to vote, 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 say it with me. I, I recruited for the U.S. Air Force for 20 years at the recruiting booth. And it got so, I just wanted to go from the parking lot to the recruiting booth. I never wanted to ride on any of the rides. <laughs> Something told me that you would fall into that category. <laughs> any, um, any other um, announcements or questions? Coffee hour. And for 
any non-coffee drinkers make you don't drink coffee, do you? Okay, we'll provide milk for Mike or cheese from Wisconsin.